0: It's Friday night, and your work week is over. Pick back and get the latest on the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! The 10, the 5, a pick 6 for the Colts. Get up to speed on the Colts and the NFL, starting now. And he walks into the
1: end zone, touchdown,
0: INDY! This is the Colts Happy
2: Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome in. Kind of different, right? A Saturday start tomorrow. 1 o'clock is the kick in Minneapolis with the Colts and the Vikings. The Colts pregame huddle begins at 10 a.m. Not here tomorrow morning, but on 97.1 Hank FM coming up tomorrow morning. And then after an hour, we will merge together with everybody and give you another hour of the Colts pregame huddle into countdown to kickoff, and that kick is at 1 o'clock coming up tomorrow. A Bud Light, Blue Friday, southeast side. The Chaparral is our location today. Thank you for coming out and being a part of this. This is Colts Happy Hour. The burning question coming up in just a couple of minutes for you as well as we do every single Friday night. But first things first, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, and his conversation with interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Matt. All
1: right, thank you, JMV. It's time now for the Head Coach's Report with interim head coach Jeff Saturday tonight on Colts Happy Hour. And, Jeff, the guys were back this week following the bye. What kind of energy, what kind of attitude did you see out of the team this week after a couple days off last week?
3: Yeah, a lot of excitement, right, a lot of pop. Um, yeah, I thought practice was, was really good uh, throughout the week. I thought the guys were really competitive. Uh, and I think it was a good time for the for the buy. You know, this has been a long season for them, especially um, with all the you know all the all the stuff with with Frank, and then you know the the season being disappointing from a win loss perspective. All of those different things, I think emotionally it just takes a toll. So mm-hmm. to get away get away from the building, I think gave them um, chance to catch their breath, get get you know get kind of um, recalibrated a bit. But I, I thought this week they were focused, they were energetic, and they were competitive at practice.
1: You're sticking with Matt Ryan at quarterback he's going to be the QB for you in week 15 against the Vikings. Obviously the storyline of the season, the turnover is the yeah. lack of ball security. You know, Matt's obviously played a factor into that coming back after the bye, Do you sense a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder to prove that he's not that guy? He, he can play clean football and better football for you down the stretch. Here. Yeah,
3: you hope so, right? I mean anytime as a competitor where you're not meeting the standard that you, you that you expect and hold yourself to um, that's frustrating and disappointing and so yeah. I think he understands uh, what he thought this year was going to look like. Obviously it hasn't started that way and uh, but you got four games to go make it happen and so I think when he and I talk about it, you know, there, there's there's no way you win in the NFL turning it over and whether that's fumbling it or, or throwing interceptions um, you know, it, we, we have to protect the football and so that's a point of emphasis for us and for everybody on the squad uh, but he's included in that and I think he understands the value of finishing strong Mm -hmm. and for a guy who's been around the game as long as he has uh, he understands that that his portion of that is magnified because you are the quarterback you touch it more than anybody and so protecting that thing is is vital and you got 52 other guys livelihoods in your hand um, and and you need to you need to treat it as such
1: all right the Vikings are up next they're 10 and 3 but they've won a Bunch of one score games. In fact, nine of their 10 wins have been by one score, right? So, how do you look at that? Do you look at it as impressive because they have found ways to win and that's the bottom line in the NFL, or is it Man, they're they're just really good in the clutch, but they're incredibly beatable. How, how do you view them?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think I think I, the, the first right the, the the earlier. I think when you think about teams being able to close tight ball games, that's what separates good and great teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Finding ways, it's, it's never you know. I mean, we used to talk about it all the time. Nobody draws pictures, and nobody remembers how you <laughs> won them. They just look at the hey, look at the final score yeah. and move on. That's how many, right? That's exactly right. So you know, as you tally them up, so I, I think they've done a heck of a job finding ways to win. And honestly, we're trying to copy that you know we've had some some really close ball games where we haven't come up uh you know to meet that that challenge against philly and pittsburgh and so when when you have those type of days where you can finish it out finding a way is much more important than how pretty it looks to everybody else
1: no doubt about that and they've got justin jefferson this guy leads the nfl in receiving this season he's coming off a game last sunday against the lions 223 receiving Mm. wise which is a franchise record for minnesota why has he been able to turn himself
3: into a superstar so quickly. It really is unbelievable. And listen, from from the media perspective covering him the last couple of years, and then having to come coach against him, uh, he, you know he, he's he's the best in the business right now. And when you look at him and the way that he plays, I bet. I'll be watching the Detroit tape, I bet. 50% of those plays, he's double covered. Like, they, they, they put the resources on him to take him out of the game. He's still making those plays. So, it's like, you know, when you think about it from a defensive perspective, right. it's how can we limit because you know you can't shut him out. Right. right. It's just how do we limit the explosive plays? How do you limit touchdowns and, and, and those kinds of things? Because I'm, I'm telling you, when I turn on the Detroit tape, I thought they did everything I would have thought you have to do to take him out of the game. And then you look over and it's 223, and he is he's carried that offense. So, right. Um, He's a heck of a ball player. We're going to have to do, you have to have a ton of communication on the back end, understanding where he is, because the thing about Minnesota that makes him different from most teams is they move him all around. So he can be in the slot, he can be outside, he can be tight, he can be bunched. They'll find ways, and that he is um that he knows all of those roles and can effectively play out of all them right just separates him again from so many others because that's a lot of mental gymnastics I don't think people respect enough is when you got to get in all those different spots and coverage changes and disguises for him to be able to adapt and make plays he's a heck of a ball player
1: and, and oh by the way you still have to defend the running game with Dalvin Cook and they've got Thielen and they've
3: got TJ Hawkinson yes. one of the better athletic tight ends I mean that's even more stressful no there, there's no doubt Again, this 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 offense is loaded with talent, and you mm-hmm. think about Hawkins. And the addition for him as as a real pass catching threat. Yeah. Um, and I think they've been trying to get him almost seven targets a game. So he is fully in their game plan, understanding. Hey, this is we're going to attack the middle of the field, those seams with him, and yards after the catch for him is is, is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, I mean, listen, we have we, our defense has their hands full. Uh, we understand offensively, we're going to need to score some points to match with these guys. They're they're, they're a really good group.
1: Yeah, their defense, though, they're having a tough go of it, right? They're dead last in the NFL in yards allowed and in passing yards allowed. But they've got some big names over there, right? They've got Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Kendricks, uh, Peterson in the back and yeah. Harrison Smith in the back end what stands out to you about their defense because the name
3: recognition
1: doesn't match up
3: with the production yeah turnovers I mean listen if you if you circled their defense and said how can this team be 10 and 3 and how can this team be yeah. one of the best in the NFC It they, they don't care about giving up yards right like in between the 20s they'll they they'll let yards be had and um, it kind of reminds me of, of the way New England used to play I know the defenses are completely different but the style they, they it, you know, As you enter the red zone, they tighten it down, Mm -hmm. and then they have a ton of turnovers. I think they're a top seven team in turnovers. And listen, I don't care how good you are in the NFL. If you give the ball to the other team, and then their offense can go make those those points, that's how they win games. And so they do a really good job of bending, but not breaking. And as they tighten down, they make big plays. And we've talked about it. We have to limit explosive plays offensively, and we can't give them explosive plays defensively. That's how every team they've beaten has has allowed them to either stay in the game or win the game, right. um, and 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 again, both ways. You've seen them turn it over on and Buffalo, like diving, uh, you know, <laughs> and the ball gets you know tipped, and all of a sudden they're in the end zone for six. So right. they find ways, man. This is a, this is a tough-minded group, uh, and they finish. Jeff, final couple of things for you. You're, you're halfway through this
1: this eight-game interim experience for you yeah. as the head coach. Now that you're at the halfway point and you've had the bye week and you've had some time to reflect, for you, how, how
3: much fun are you having uh, doing this? I love it. I, I'm having an absolute blast. I, we, we need to win more. Like, that, made, that made my life much easier. Uh, the results have not been what I've wanted. But uh, I knew coming in there was there was, there was uh, a significant amount to do and mm-hmm. and, you know, not – again being halfway through the season not being able to kind of do everything and trying to figure things out um it, it takes time but i have i have loved the way the guys have approached it the coaching staff uh i've enjoyed my role and being able to try to lead these men uh unfortunately in two tight ones we haven't come up with a win but mm-hmm. we've given ourselves a chance in every game except dallas right and even then at the fourth quarter you're down two right. and then you you, you know you, you have a, a just an absolute meltdown but um the guys are fighting man like Like I told them, when they finally figure out how to finish these type of of games and get these Ws, they'll stack so fast you don't even realize it, but that's the point we're trying to get to. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's the head coach's report with interim head coach Jeff Saturday
1: before the Colts take on the Vikings. Coach, as always, appreciate the time. Good luck. Thanks, Matt.
3: Appreciate you.
2: That's a Jeff Saturday right there with Matt Taylor on this Colts Happy Hour. Centerpoint Energy is a proud sponsor of the 2022 Coach of the Week program. To so see a list of the coaches, the winners this year. You can check it out at colts.com slash highschoolfootball. Today, he's been Ellen 2 He's not making the trek to Minneapolis, but he's going to be with us next, of course, to the radio network, the former NFL coach, Rick Venturi. His breakdown of the Saturday matinee between the Colts and the Vikings coming up tomorrow. Rick Venturi joins us next. A part of Colts Happy Hour. 935 and 107 Five the Fan.
0: A full hour dedicated to Colts football. This is the Colts Happy Hour on 935 and 107 Five
2: the Fan. The Colts Audio Network includes podcasts, radio shows, and more. iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you can download podcasts, Sirius XM mobile app. Search Colts as well, exclusive Colts radio and audio content on demand. Stay up to date with the Colts on your schedule. All right, the breakdown for the Vikings and the Colts tomorrow, week 15. of The NFL starts in Minneapolis tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. Rick Venturi and Matt Taylor tell us all about it now. Fellas? All right, thank you,
1: JMV. It's time for some inside football, some knowledge here with Rick Venturi on Colts Happy Hour, and we're going to roll out the blueprints for the Colts, when the Vikings have the football, Minnesota checks in 10-3, and and they have a very consistent offense guided by Kirk Cousins, who ranks 7th in the NFL this season in passing. They're 10th in scoring, 24 points per game, pretty good inside the red zone, and they're a team that won't beat themselves. They only have 14 turnovers all season. They're 9-0 and this season when they win the turnover battle. Cousins in his 11th season in the NFL. Threw for a season high 425 last week in their loss against the Lions. He ranks 4th in passing yards in team history. His main target, young superstar Justin Jefferson. He had 223 receiving last week against the Lions. That was a team record and the most receiving yards in a game all season. He's in his third year out of LSU. Holds the NFL record for receiving yards by a player in their first three NFL seasons. Simply remarkable. 4,500 yards for his career and he leads the NFL in receiving yards so far this season. The running game goes through Dalvin Cook now in his sixth season. He has the fourth most rushing yards in franchise history and the fifth most rushing yards in the NFL since the start of last season, although they're not running the ball very effectively here as of late. I'm sure you're going to get into that here in just a second. Adam Thielen and T.J. Hawkinson at tight end, really good complementary pieces in the passing game for Cousins. So what else do we need to know about the Vikings on offense going into this game in Week 15?
4: I think the number 1 must is we can't let this running game get going at all. And now 1A or I'll call it number 2, but it's 1A because you have to do this simultaneously is we have to schematically take away Jefferson. Um you know as as much as I as much as I like Gilmore and I think he could do a good job, you know, in parts of this game. What they're going to do is they move, they do a great job of moving Jefferson. This is the Bill Walsh stuff. They will do a great job of moving Jefferson around so that you, can, you can't you can ensure that one guy has him. And then they're going to line him up in bunches and stacks so that you can't get your hands on him. You can't get the free access. They will get him free access into the secondary. So you have to have a scheme where you always have a trap on him, okay? You can't. If you think you're going to play him all day, then you need to be coaching on Friday night, not not on Sunday afternoon. Is it, it, the guy's 99 catches, 1500 yards, 15 two and six t- and six touchdowns? So, you know, like I said, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand. Is you have to stop Dalvin Cook and you have to stop Jefferson, period. And I believe you can stop those two schematically, but remember, it's got to be schematically on Jefferson. I don't think you're going to be able to play him one-on-one all day. And then number three, I mean, you got to handle the the Hawkinsons, particularly Hawkinson becomes important on third down. Jefferson's number one on third down, Hawkinson's number two, but you got to handle him with talent and physicality. You know, Same thing with Thielen. You're going to have to double the other guy, so you're going to have to handle those two guys that way. I think the other thing, and I've kind of mentioned it in the philosophy section, is you really have to do a good job of this week against their stacks and bunches and coveys and motion and all that stuff because they're going to get you to lose men if you're not careful. You have to be able to sort all those things out. And then number four, and really, this should go with one and two. Again, as I said, you stop two guys and you affect the third. You stop Cook and you and you stop Jefferson. And then you affect Cousins and force him into a bad game. The first thing you got to do with Cousins, I've said this every time we've ever played him, wherever he was, is you have to close off his edges. He's an exceptional guy on the move to the outside on boots. He's made a living with this. You know, O'Connell coached him. He, O'Connell was the quarterback coach in Washington back in 217, and I can remember him playing back there for Jay Gruden, running those boots all the time. You've got to close off the edges and don't let him get out there because he will destroy you if you let him do that. Keep the pocket dirty. I do think that he's a competitive guy and he's a tough guy, but I do think he starts to back foot things. In other words, He will stop stepping into him if the pocket is dirty, okay? The other thing I want to do against him and against this team, not just him, is I want to blitz the hell out of him, Matt. First of all, Cook is a poor protector, okay? You can run over Cook with a linebacker, and then the other thing is once you eat up the help for those offensive linemen, then everybody else is one-on-one, so... I want to do that. I here's how I think of here's what I think of Cousin. I think he's, you know, and and I don't know if you realize this or not, but he's had more hits and more pressures than anybody in the league this year. So I mean, they are porous if you get the advantage and take away their bread and butter. I've always thought in in uh, in Cousins that he's highly paid. He's often hit. Okay. And he has the absolute worst face and body language in the league. So, you know, get up there and destroy him and make that sour puss look bad all day.
1: <laughs> I don't know where we go from that, but I love it. That's good stuff right there. That's that's on the field. That's also diagnosis off the field right there, body language with Rick Venturi here on Insight Football. All right, well, let's shift over to the Vikings on defense and as we said, this unit might be their uh, – it might end up being, I should say, their Achilles heel because, um, you know, the offense is putting up points. They're finding ways to win close games. But the Vikings come into this game dead last in total defense, giving up over 400 yards per game on average. They're also dead last in passing defense, giving up 287 through the air a game, and they've allowed five straight quarterbacks to throw for at least 300 yards. That's also a dubious franchise record, and they're giving up big plays on a consistent basis. They've allowed 51 completions over 20 yards. That's second to last in the NFL. That might be good news for a Colts offense that's trying to push Mm -hmm. the ball down the field here in the last four games of the season. But despite all of that, Rick, they, they've got a lot of talent on that side of the ball, individually speaking, right? Daniil Hunter, seven sacks. Yeah. He's ninth or has the ninth most sacks among active players since 2016. Uh, Zadarius Smith at defensive end leads the NFL with 70 quarterback pressures, 49 quarterback hurries. Uh, Jordan Hicks. Eric Kendricks, two really good veteran linebackers. Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith, veteran members in that secondary. I mean, Peterson's gone to eight Pro Bowls. Smith's yeah. gone to six Pro Bowls. Rick, why have the Vikings been so flimsy on defense despite some big names on that side of the ball for them?
4: You know, I think of uh, I think of Tom Cruise's lines in Maverick when they ask him that question, and he said it's one of life's mysteries. You know, it, <laughs>
1: good. Good poll right really, there. I love it. it
4: it really is a mystery and and i'll tell you what a mystery on a little simple game that i play when i when i when i do the depth chart and then i do the depth chart before i start looking at tape and i have all the numbers and everybody in front of me hand done old school number one pencil and then when i finish i go around and i give color codes to different people blues for blue chip green for really good and then, you know, I'll circle guys that I think are solid players, maybe not great players but solid. And on defense I have seven circles. I mean now that that's that you that's just kind of validating what you had to say. I mean they yeah. they have enough talent that they should be better than they are. But they they have just really struggled totally, uh, and it's gotten worse and worse and, and I think they've lost some confidence. Their weakness is overall defense and pass defense. They have survived on two things, you know, takeaways and getting after the quarterbacks if they get ahead. I I mean, keeping them at a disadvantage is so important because this is a bad defensive team, period. They're schematically poor. um, They're disjointed. They don't play well together. They make mistakes. And then they really, even though I can put seven circles, They don't have the ambient players, Matt. There's not, you know, I can put the circles, but I don't put any blue over there. There's nobody that, even though numbers are decent, there's nobody that I'm going to just lose a lot of sleep over. So, I mean, that is the issue. All right, the Colts' offensive must, okay? I think, number one, you've got to dominate first down, and that's a mix. That's a mix of run, the quick rhythm. I like the RPOs, the play actions, Again, if they stay in that over defense, which they're going to, you want to go right into that open side with Jonathan and just keep powering the three on the other side. If they go sink, just power the heck out of it. But again, keep the RPOs going with Matt. Keep the play action going. No question about that. But. You've got to win first down, and if we're going to be successful, we have to establish Jonathan Taylor right off the bat to keep their defensive line on its heels. Uh, number two, we definitely have to control the edges, particularly if, in fact, we get to second and long or third and long. Um, you know, there's no question that Smith and Hunter are very, very solid. You're talking about 17 sacks between the two of them. Hunter will always be on the edge, and Smith will be both on the edge and inside as a spinner. Uh, We've got to do a really good job on those guys. We've had our issues. We have to know when to help, and don't let guys out there one-on-one, don't let them, a bad defense, beat us with something that we know is our liability and their strength. You you can't let that happen coaching-wise. And then this is what you're gonna expect. This is something that we've shown all kinds of issues and they do pretty well. And that's expect them to walk up on third down into those A gaps with their linebackers with Hicks uh you know, basically um b- basically with Hicks in that situation and, and Kendrick. They're gonna walk up there and they're gonna to try to attract you. And they're going to then come smoking off the edge. And that's where we've had so much trouble. Teams that make us block inside, get us attracted inside, and then come off the edge. So Mm -hmm. all that, number two, number one is run it. Number two is protect it, really. Then number three, we've got to attack that two-corner. And I want to get after him with Pierce. Just like I said, Pierce last week on their weakest corner, same thing here. Um, you know, wherever Peterson's lining up, whether he's matching or whether he's staying on the right side, uh, we want to go after the other guy, and we want to go after him a lot because that's how you get points. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's Skelly or Danzler; Both guys are limited and will give up explosive plays, and they'll both struggle with Pierce. And then I think number four, and I think this is the key, is in a game like this, We've got to take care of the ball. We've talked about this all, all season long. If there's one thing that's cost us this season, it's been giving the ball away. There's no doubt about it. Fumbles and picks have defined us and killed us in 22. And their strength really, other than the two great players at receiver and running back, is really turnover ratio. They've played clean. We have to play clean. We've got to beat the Vikings at their own game. Again, I think the remainder of this season, the last four, if we're going to make it happen, it's going to spin on our ball security.
2: It's Rick Venturi, Matt Taylor, right there on Colts Happy Hour. 93.5, the fan coming up here. Top of the hour, Pacer pregame show. Pacers on the road in Cleveland coming up later off tonight. And the Cavaliers have been really good at home so far this year. A substantial test coming for the Pacers. Again, 7P the tip, 7.30, they're officially underway coming up later on tonight right here. Tomorrow, 10 a.m., Colts pregame huddle has, well, we'll get gets you started, I should say, has you covered, gets you started, all the above, and we'll take you all the way to countdown to kickoff at noon, and then 1 o'clock is that kick between the Colts and the Vikings coming up tomorrow. Meantime, more to come with Colts Happy Hour. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Welcome back to the Colts Happy Hour. We're getting
2: you in the know on the Colts heading into the weekend. Welcome back to the Chaparral Southeast Side, Bud Light Blue Friday. Colts Happy Hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, the Forum Credit Union. Question of the week coming up in just a second. And top of the hour Pacer pregame show coming at you. The Pacers in Cleveland. Meantime right now, the Colts official podcast. We know this. Matt Taylor, Lara Overton, Casey Valier talk with Lindsay Rhodes, the host of the NFL Roadshow podcast on Sirius XM and on DirecTV Fantasy Zone channel. And you can listen to the full interview but here's a lot of it right now, talking about this week 15, specifically the Colts and the Vikings in the NFL. All
1: right, thank you, JMV. Matt Taylor here, Casey Valier, Lara Overton, and we're going to welcome in NFL Insider and host of the NFL Show podcast, on SiriusXM and DirecTV and anywhere else you download your podcasts. Lindsey Rhodes is with us. And, Lindsey, you've had 13 weeks to digest this Colts team on a national level. What's your stance on where the Colts are at right now, sitting 4-8-1 coming off the bye?
5: Well, I have questions for you guys.
1: <laughs> Fire <running>. away. <laughs>
5: I, don't, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of this team from a national standpoint. I mean, obviously, everybody in the world has thoughts on the Jeff Saturday hire, you know, but from a – But from a play-on-the-field standpoint, I feel like the team that you guys cover has been just the most perplexing team in the NFL, right? The offensive line not looking like the offensive line that I think most people are expecting, to. I would have never, never guessed that Matt Ryan was going to look the way that he would have looked. I mean, you know, you you expect some, uh, like, depreciation of talent, I suppose. But I I feel like the the Colts have been the hardest team to figure out this year. Mm -hmm. And then, but... What's also so weird, as you guys know is that then all of a sudden there are games when it all kind of clicks, and you're like, "Oh, maybe they're onto something," and then the next game comes along, and you're like, "Oh nope, nope, they weren't they weren't onto something and so i i I don't know,
6: I don't know. <laughs> The Colts, despite their struggles of late, I guess all season long, really you think about my goodness, the win over Kansas City it feels like it was a lifetime away, and then they, you know, had it so close until under two minutes to go against Philadelphia. You gave yourself an opportunity until the fourth quarter against Dallas, but the Colts are st- still have a chance, a very outside-looking-in chance of getting into the postseason because the AFC South is one of the weakest divisions in football when you look at how things have shaken out, Tennessee certainly does not look like the titans of the past and they've endured their own turmoil this season but with tennessee jacksonville indianapolis and houston among the division who is the most promising moving into the final quarter of this season that has an opportunity to show what they're made of in this final month of the regular season and then also kind of declare themselves a contender as we start to already turn the page and look ahead to 2023
5: i i Feel like I have the most optimism right now for Jacksonville. Um, really? I think that I like it. You
1: know, Interesting. Is
5: that is that shocking? I'm surprised a little it's, bit about the the shock that's attached to that reaction. Well,
1: but just I mean, just because record wise, we're just so used to to top ten picks and top five picks, and I mean, they've certainly got absolutely. head coach figured out and quarterback figured mm-hmm. out. Everything else is sort of gravy on those potatoes.
5: Yeah, and I think that that's that's part of it. Like, if you. Look at the the play of Trevor Lawrence in the last month and a half. So the game against Detroit was not good for Jacksonville at all. I think that we're continuing to talk about Detroit in a way that might be off nationally. I think that Agreed. if you look at, like, the deeper metrics on Detroit, what, what you'll find is that in terms of DVOA or expected points added, things that really dive down into what individual – Um, teams and players are doing on in individual situations what they should be expected to and what they're doing you'll find that detroit since week nine has actually started playing pretty well on the defensive side of the ball too it's not just on the offensive side of the ball so the uh offense for the lions is number five expected points added per play in that Mm -hmm. time number one in drop back epa but the defense is the 16th best EPA per play since week nine. They were dead last, like obviously the worst. We've won through eight. So I think that, you know, obviously if the Jacksonville Jaguars are a good team, then you want to overcome that. But I think that looking at them and saying, oh, they, they laid an egg against Detroit. They couldn't even get it done against Detroit. I think that we need to kind of pivot our narrative with Detroit a little bit and catch up to the fact that they're actually playing much better on both sides of the ball there in Detroit. Um, so that said, I think the fact that we've seen we've seen more of like the highlight version of Trevor Lawrence that we expected to see um, in the back half of the season this year. I think that he's playing much better. I think that they have some pieces that that make sense to build off of offensively. And I, I think that they're they're a team that I feel like has the best. I mean, I mean, Tennessee, look, they are what they are, right? Like they're Derrick Henry on offense. They, they don't have any kind of passing game attached to them. And um, I think that Jacksonville is the team that really has the best shot in the division. If they were to eke out and I I w I haven't pulled up the schedules for all of the teams in the AFC South to see who they really have to play down the stretch and how realistic it is. So they could potentially overcome Tennessee, but I think that they're a team to point to in the AFC South that says, okay, this is the one that's headed in the right direction going into next season And then also, I think if they were to make it to the postseason somehow, Mm -hmm. they're the team that would have the best shot at knocking someone off. Uh, And also, not for nothing, but, like, you know, net points on the season, they're at zero, which is gross, but also it's the best in the AFC South. Everybody else is net negative.
1: Yeah. So you got Cowboys at home against the Cowboys this Sunday at the Jets, Texans on January 1st, and then closing out uh, the season against the Titans on January 8th. So there you go. That's the look at the final four for the Jaguars. Um, as we look ahead to this uh, Saturday for the Colts, the Vikings are up next, Lindsay. Um, this is a a simple question, but a loaded question. Are, are the Vic- are the Vikings good? I mean, they're they're ten and three, yeah. but but nine one score wins. What do you make of them? Are are they any good? Or are they just kind of you know a mirage to this point?
5: Yeah, somebody. I was talking to somebody this past week, and they said that they went and looked at one score games. And if you flip the result of one score games, because that's obviously a kind of a volatile thing, it could right. go on either way. That there's a scenario in which they have one win.
1: Yeah, they're like one and just eleven on or something. One yeah. win if
5: you flipped it. <laughs> so, uh, but I also think again going to things like DVOA. Had, I haven't looked at it again since last week's uh, or this past weekend's game against the Lions. But in terms of DVOA going into that game, because when the line for the Vikings Lions game came out, I think everyone was just shocked. Right. Like, how are the Lions favored in this game with five wins going up against a 10 win Viking squad? Like, what is Vegas doing? But, you know, I was like, well, they're obviously doing something. And that's kind of where I came up with the Lions DVOA stuff and the fact that looking at it, the Lions are playing better. Well, the Vikings are in like the low to mid 20s in every category in terms of DVOA across the board. So there really aren't any. You know, uh, statistics that would point to yeah, the Vikings are just playing really good ball. You have to give them credit for winning those games, though. There's something to be said for that. But sure. if you're trying to be predictive and say like, is this team really good? Is this team going to continue this, or is this a super volatile thing that we've been looking at to this point? I think you have to point to volatility on the behalf of the Vikings as opposed to just really good quality play. And then you look at like the quarterback play. Like Kirk Cousins is not having a good year. But, but, they're winning games, but he's not been particularly good and or, nor particularly consistent. so I, I would I would say, going into this week that the Vikings look like a scary team to go up against, particularly for a team that has had the uh, lack of success that the Colts have had this year. But I think you have to look at it as a game that, is uh, potentially winnable because they just don't think I don't think that the Vikings are as good as their record is because they certainly have the weapons who could just step up and take over a game.
2: Yeah, welcome back. Colts happy hour. The Forum Credit Union question of the week as follows. The Colts allowed the Cowboys to score 54 points, the fifth most points allowed in franchise history. When was the last time the Colts allowed a team to score 50 or more in a game? Well, that answer for you coming up in just a bit. The Forum Credit Union fan forum section, colts.com. You can interact with other fans online, post a topic, participate in various discussions regarding the Colts. That's Forum Credit Union helping members live their financial dreams. Pacer pregame, top of the hour. Pacers Cavaliers from Cleveland. Cavs very good so far this year at home. We'll see what the Pacers can get done. That tip time's at 7.30. Coverage begins top of the hour. This is Colts Happy Hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: We now return to the Colts Happy Hour. An inside look at the Colts
2: on 93.5 and five. The Fan. The Farm Credit Union Question of the Week answer in a second right now. Casey Vallier, Bill Brooks, uh, both will be a part of the Colts' pregame show, the pregame huddle coming up tomorrow. They're going to break down tomorrow's conversation as far as the Vikings and Colts are concerned here on Colts Happy Hour. Fellas.
1: We're inside the Colts Radio Studio. I'm Matt Taylor, and right now we're joined by Colts kicker having a fantastic season chase mclaughlin is with us chase thanks for the time man great to see you welcome to the studio here yeah, absolutely thank you for having me i'm i'm so excited for you in the season that you're having you are 22 for 27 on the season but I think you're having a great year. I know you're a perfectionist. How do you think the year has gone so far for you, back in Indianapolis for the second time?
7: Yeah, I think it's going well. We're super excited to be back in Indianapolis. And uh, yeah, overall, obviously, there's some uh, some plays here and there that we'd like to have back. But in, in the uh, grand scheme of things, I think it's going pretty good. Yeah,
1: all right, doubling back to last week, a bye week. How, how did you spend uh, the bye week? Kind of a
7: quasi-week off. I know you don't completely detach, but how did you use the week off to your advantage? Uh, just some time to uh, relax, get away, spend time with the family, which Mm -hmm. was really nice, and uh, just try to take a breath and get ready to come back again for the last four games.
1: And you're a family man, right? Talk it up. You've got... Uh, a 10-month-old daughter and also one on the way, right? Yep, absolutely.
7: We have a 10-month-old daughter, River, and uh, one on the way. We're going to wait to find out, see what he or she is, and uh, we're very excited.
1: I don't know how people do that. I got to know, but but good for you. I, that's, that's really exciting. So in the spring, right? That'll be announced in the spring? Yep, in April. Fantastic. All right, also within this season, you are 7 for 10 over 50 yards. Your 7 makes, in fact, over 50 yards this season. Ties a franchise record with Adam Vinatieri. What's your confidence level right now? When you go out to attempt a 50-yard field goal, what's that confidence level in yourself to go out there and get the job done in that regard?
7: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a confidence in myself, but mainly it's a confidence um, just in our operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a great snap and hold, and um, Matt and Luke do a great job with that. So honestly, going over 50, it's... To me, it's just like any other kick. You're just going out there for one goal to make the kick in in whatever way possible.
1: Like you said, you came here in week two. That synergy between snapper and holder, Matt Hawk the holder, Luke Rhodes the (laughs) snapper. How long does that take to feel really comfortable and in sync with with those two other guys that make that uh, triangle, if you will, on a PAT or a field goal?
7: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a big part of it for sure. Um, I'd say... Overall, it takes a few weeks, but um, they've done a fantastic job here. So even week one, I um, mm-hmm. felt confident going into the uh, into, into Jacksonville right. in the first week. So uh, they did a great job making me feel comfortable. I've worked with Luke before. It was my first time meeting Matt. So I yeah. um, felt comfortable, felt Super comfortable being back in Indy, D two and being in the same place I've kicked before. So. Yeah.
1: Chase McLaughlin is with us, Colts kicker. I know you've probably answered this question before, but whenever I get a chance to talk to kickers, I always like to ask them. For you, what is the definition of a perfect hold?
7: Uh, it's different for every guy. That's right. Um, some right. guys like it a little more lean, a little more forward. Um Honestly, a perfect holds one that ends up with a kick going in. <laughs> so you got to do your job right to make it a good hold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in <laughs> the day, it's it's it's, it's a three man job. Um, yeah, obviously kickers get a lot of uh, attention on that, but uh, we all know that it's it's not just one guy that can make or break it. It's it's yeah. the whole operation.
1: Going back to those fifty yard field goals, I mean, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of our audience will never know the adrenaline or the feeling of of hitting a big 50 yard field goal what is that like when you see the ball go through the uprights when you hit it
7: from 50 plus Mm -hmm. what goes through your mind yeah i mean it's definitely a good feeling (laughs) i mean um yeah you kind of just i uh, personally i take my steps back give my thanks to god and let it go and first thing i do is, is think matt High-five the guys and, sure. um, yeah, just praise God again after that and just, um, yeah, I'd say any any big kick, any kick in the fourth quarter for that matter, you know, yeah. depending on distance, but especially a 50-plus in the fourth quarter is always a good feeling, and um, any kick going in is a great feeling to no, help the team put some points on the board. For sure, no doubt about that.
1: Well, what's your approach on a 50-yard field goal or a long field goal compared to a shorter field goal? Do you have to hit the ball differently or aim at the ball differently?
7: Yeah, it's not. It's the same um, kind of repetition. Mm-hmm. So the same routine for the kick. Uh, nothing really changes there. If you get really far back, a lot of guys, if they're right footed, it'll um, naturally tail a little bit left. So you can aim if you're further away a little bit more right to let right. It fade left on you. But um, no, basically just leave everything the same. If you if you're over if you're thinking you need to change something, then then something's wrong. You just need to keep it the same. And yeah. if you're hitting it good from 45, it'll be good in 55. That's Chase McLaughlin with us, Colts <laughs> kicker. By the way, Chase is
1: the first Colts kicker. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you are the first Colts kicker to make a 50-yard field goal in three straight games. I did not know So, that. I mean, I know for you, you didn't want to see that bye week. You wanted to keep it going <laughs> in terms of the streak and, and keep that momentum working. But do you have a range before every game? Like, do you have a feel before the game where you go to Bubba or Jeff Saturday and say, this is where I feel really good today in terms of distance?
7: Yeah, so every game, it's it obviously depends on the, the weather we're mm-hmm. playing. If it's inside, it keeps it pretty simple for us. But, yeah, we go through our, our warm-up with uh, Luke and Matt, <clears throat> excuse me, and – just see where we're feeling good from. Um, it's different every day. It's different, sure. um, like I said, based on the weather and where we're kicking at. But, right. um, yeah, we go through uh, each warm-up kicking both directions, feeling out um, when, if there is any, and uh, get a good feel for what the range is. Right. And Bubba talk about it, what we feel comfortable at, and um, we give uh yeah the range for the day and then if we gotta have it right usually some adrenaline's pumping if we gotta have it so <laughs> we'll add a couple more yards to there that. there you go there you go and i'm so fascinated by
1: this because kickers are obviously in a different um i mean they're they're one of the most important positions on a team but it's such a unique position there's kicking shape if you will you know how do, how do you keep yourself in great conditioning kicking shape if that makes sense
7: yeah, a big part of it is is uh, kicking is not a natural motion, so right, <clears throat> it's not a unilateral motion like running or, or cutting or something like that. You're you're planting really hard on one foot, mm-hmm. swinging with the other. So your body, your hips especially, get really out of rhythm. So, uh, Rusty and Sam, they've done a great job here to keep my my hips in check. I keep making sure they're at the right angles and everything's even. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a different mm-hmm. shape than a wide receiver for per right. se because they have to do a lot of running, a lot less running here. But um, yeah, it's just a different type of maintenance you make sure your body's in check and, and feeling good
1: see to me i just heard lots of trips to the chiropractor like that's what i heard you say like yes. for me you know yeah. like if i tried to do what you do one time my hips my back would be all out of whack i'd have to go see the chiropractor
7: Yep, chiropractor's <laughs> my best friend of the season
1: there you go i like to hear that and, and you've talked openly about this before you've had quite the nfl journey mm-hmm. right since you've broken into the league in 2019 um you've, you've been cut eight times in three seasons Prior to coming back to the Colts, you had a stop in Indianapolis in 2019 towards the end of that season. How hard has that been on you and your family? For those that don't really realize the harshness of the business of football, how tough is it to move around and, and continue to to chase
7: this career? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a big part of it. I can't thank my wife enough for right. being there, being a great support for me. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, after we were here in Indy, It just felt like home to us. My wife's from Chicago, so a couple hours away Mm -hmm. and um, close to her family. And like I said, we just loved loved the people here, loved the area, just loved everything about the city. So we decided to uh, plant some roots here. But um, yeah, I mean, a a big part of it is just still believing in yourself. Like I said, Mm -hmm. having faith in God that he's got a plan for you and um, just believing in that and um, take it one one step at a time. It
1: certainly is a, a fun, crazy story because like you said, after Indianapolis in 2019 you had stops in minnesota jacksonville the jets and cleveland and you still made indianapolis home and in fact during training camp the culture literally practicing what a mile down the road from you yep. in Westfield at, at Graham Park, and, and there you are just continuing to work and train and, and wait for your phone to call, for your phone to ring, I should mm-hmm. say.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're like 15 <laughs> minutes from Graham Park, and uh, it's crazy. that's where I do my training in the offseason, and it's a, a great facility and just, like like I said, a great, uh, great city that we love being a part of.
1: No question about it. Chase McLaughlin is with us. All right, you've kicked in Minnesota a couple of times. In fact, uh, each of the last two years, How do you like kicking there? Where does that rank in terms of setting and and optimal uh, kicking venues?
7: Definitely a neat stadium, obviously. Any indoor is a great kicking venue. Um, But, yeah, they got great fans. They bring great energy, great atmosphere to the game. And, uh, yeah, it's fun to go in there and come home with the win.
1: Yeah, you talked about it a little bit. I mean, every game is different in terms of range. But when you're kicking indoors versus outdoors, how does that change your approach and, and what you're factoring in
7: with your kicks? I'd say the biggest thing that changes is probably just your aiming point. You don't have to account for uh, wind Uh that day. So um, basically just see... how your ball is flying that day, and just play it off of that.
1: Absolutely. Chase McLaughlin with us again. He is 22 for 27 this year on field goals. Hasn't missed a PAT. Knock on wood. I know you're going to continue to knock those down. And uh, 7 for 10 this year, over 50 yards, which ties a franchise record with Adam Vinatieri. Chase, thanks so much for coming down today. Appreciate it. Continued success,
7: and uh, happy holidays. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, and uh, thanks for having me.
2: Chase McLaughlin, the place kicker, and Matt Taylor right there on Colts Happy Hour. 93.5, 107.5, the fan top of the hour. It is the Pacer pregame show, 7.30. Going to dial it up here because you got the Pacers and the Cavaliers. Should be a fun one tonight because the Cavaliers are straight good. The first year of Donovan Mitchell there, a potent lineup. I believe all five starters average in double figures. And uh, at the top of the list, Mitchell's nearly 30 a game. And Darius Garland's over 20 a game right then. And then you have Evan Mobley, a couple of bigs, and Jared Allen in the 14 to 15 range. So that is going to be a big challenge for the Pacers coming up later off tonight. All the action right here begins at 7 o'clock with the Pacer pre-game show. This is Colts Happy Hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: We're talking all things Colts on the Colts Happy Hour heading into the weekend on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
2: Hey, welcome back. The Chaparral has been a great location for the Bud Light Blue Friday, and hopefully, a location we can come back to. You know, it's kind of funny. I was just talking to somebody out there, and this back in the day, this location was one of uh, the burger chefs here in uh, the Indianapolis area. I did not know that. Emerson and Southeastern is our location today, and I've had a blast with people here. I love it. And I mentioned this off the air a little bit earlier when I was giving away Colts tickets. I love because we have a great mixture on this show on Bud Light Blue Fridays of those that follow us and go to everything, and those because we're in their area come out because of that. And come out for the first time before that. And that's why I love seeing the first-timers get out here and win some tickets. You can say what you want about the disappointing season of the Colts. But the Monday-nighter is still going to be a blast. I mean, it's still Monday night football here. Still reason to go down there and hang out. Maybe you can hit up Bullseye as well. Maybe I can next week for your Christmas gift help you hit up Bullseye, if you will. But no, it's uh, always good to come out to a new place and see a lot of new faces here. And I got to thank uh, everybody that came out to the Chaparral here. And this reminder, too, Slick Rock Rooster is on stage after me right here. So you talk about the warm-up act. That's exactly what I was, the warm-up act. Slick Rock Rooster on stage rocketed coming up here in just a little bit. This reminder on Monday, we uh, will again... Fire up the uh, Blue Mondays. Blue Monday this Monday at Buffalo Wild Wings in Franklin. So, Franklin, Indiana, we're coming at you. And hopefully I feel a hell of a lot better than I do right now. But Franklin, Indiana, and we'll have tickets for that Monday nighter. It is a Blue Monday with Buffalo Wild Wings. At the Buffalo Wild Wings location in Franklin. That is US 31 in Franklin, Coming up on Monday. So next week, Monday, Buffalo Wild Wings in Franklin. And then on Thursday, we'll be at the Slippery Noodle downtown. And then we'll break for the holiday on Friday. And we'll be back. We're less than two weeks away, by the way, from the return New Year's Eve of the JFV Takeover. I said less than two weeks, a little over two weeks. But it is officially on the way. Great job from you, Cam and Zach. Kyle, as always. Absolutely fantastic job. This is going to be interesting to watch tonight. Pacers and the Cavaliers, and we got it for you right here, top of the hour, matchup in Cleveland. Pacer Hoopage coming up next. Enjoy.